Hey everyone, Derek here. Um, during our discussion of the game, the game, there's a few oblique references to sexual assault or non-consensual behavior. If that's something you'd rather not hear, feel free to just skip that part of our conversation. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome to Scholars at Play, a podcast dedicated to the critical discussion of games and their place in society and the academy. My name is Derek Price, and today I've got a special episode and a special guest. So Pascal Wagner is joining me today. Say say hello, Pascal. Hi, Eric. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah, great to have you. Um, Pascal and I are, uh, we, we, well, we just met in person. We sort of knew about each other online for a little while. But we just met in person at an event called Amaze, and that was here in Berlin. That's, uh, that's where I am right now. We thought it was really cool. We walked around and saw a lot of games together, and we thought, hey, it would be kind of cool to do a podcast, sort of breaking down our thoughts about Amaze and reflecting on it and talking more in depth about some stuff that we saw and did. So I'm really happy, Pascal, that you can join me and, uh, and talk through Amaze. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Good. Um, so before we get before we talk a little bit about Amaze, Pascal, do you want to just quickly introduce people, uh, introduce yourself to everyone, and maybe tell us a little bit about your interest in games and the kind of work you've done in relation to them? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm actually a linguist. I'm not really um, part of the game studies crowd by ah. trade. There's, there's, there but, is, well, there is but, no game studies crowd. It's everyone is always coming from somewhere else. That's 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 yeah, how it is. Yeah, that's true. So I didn't do media studies or something. Okay, uh, okay. like that. So um, a bit of literature in my bachelor, but I'm doing a linguistics ma um, master master's program now in Munich at the Ludwig Maximilians Universität. And yeah, I have a website basically that's dedicated to linguistics in video games. So that's what what I'm doing with my basically more with my free time than actually with my study time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's, hey, that's more what, or less what how. Sorry, tell the, tell the people about the name of this website. Um, uh, it's language at play either Wonderful. .de or .net if you want to uh, visit. There is also a, a very small uh, English section, so it's not only German. Um, yeah, but, but and, and there's really good ones on there too. Uh, and we'll talk probably about one of those those essays in English. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it's basically how we both met, or rather how we met online, right? Because yeah. you, you, some, someday you commented on uh, an article of mine on Twitter. <laughs> Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. What was that article? I forget which one it was. Do you remember? Uh, wasn't it the archival one? It was one of the yes. German ones about yes, right. um, Nintendo shutting down the ROM sites, wasn't it? That's no, right. No, no, no. Sorry. It was the oh, one no. with um, art, how, how video games as art, how you can. Right, right, right. And thinking about how to archive them and what kind of practices are like. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of make them. I, and this is so funny because I am. Uh, Part of the reason I came to Berlin was so that I could go to this new computer game archive here in Berlin, which has opened up uh, with the uh, Stiftung für Digitale Spielkultur, um, the, mm -hmm. the, the sort of foundation for, for play culture. 
uh, for digital play culture. And uh, I've been having some trouble actually getting access to those, those digital copies. But I, I think when that archive comes together, it's going to be a really exciting thing where people can not only go and see like the physical boxes uh, and maybe play some of the games, but hopefully there will be uh, machines that can actually run all of the old games too. That's the, the trickiest part. So who knows? Thumbs yeah. pressed, and you just crossed. visited uh, an archive for board games. So I did, yes, yes. A shout out to the uh, Nuremberg uh, uh, board game archive. They were some really friendly, kind, helpful people there who were very knowledgeable about board games and also are thinking a lot about digital games uh, and the relationship between digital and analog games, and that was really cool. So, uh, yeah, shout out to the, the DSAN. That was really cool Amazing place. Amazing stuff. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, we yeah, so we sort of just ran into each other at a maze. And as yes, we as, um, Ben was, Ben Strobel funny. from from yeah. Glimmer Institute uh, introduced us and we uh, at first we didn't realize that we yeah. know each other. Yeah, I, I didn't I or, was or, or I was, rather you realized it and I didn't. <laughs> I I was like, I wonder if Pascal's coming to this, because this is like would you say this is the one of the bigger sort of like game events besides like something like Gamescom, would you say it's one of the bigger game events in Germany? Kind of yes, but kind of no because it's so indie and yeah. most people that call at what that that um, are in the space of games wouldn't wouldn't even know about it. I guess <laughs> fair. Okay, well then then maybe th this is a chance to sort of get a sense of of what this event offers if you've never gone before. I mean, I'm not trying to promote it. I mean, you know, it it was pretty good. Like I, well, I was generally sure happy was with it. But great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I I, I was, to be clear, I liked it. Um, I I liked I liked almost everything I saw, and it was really a really good time. But yeah. Um. So I guess we we had just envisioned this as just sort of a casual back and forth conversation about our experience there, but for people who, who ne didn't necessarily make it to a maze, um, maybe we could set up uh, a little bit of, not, not just like what is the, the festival dedicated to, but like what did it look like, what was there, who, who was there, and that kind of stuff. Pascal, do you want to like give us a general sense of like who's at a maze, what they're doing, and all that, that kind of stuff? Um, who, who's at a maze? Um, yeah. So a maze is... An indie game festival, I think that uh, brings it to the point pretty good. It's um, a combination of um, actual festival ground with, with music and, and alcohol and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and exhibitions of games, of game development and of workshops and talks and seminars. And it's part of the Berlin Games Week together with the Quo Vadis, um, which is a development conference, I think, and the Womanize, which is a conference um, of and for uh, female developers. Um, I think there's even a game fest after a maze, but I didn't I saw that. that. I saw that. I saw that on Twitter and I, I I was like, oh my god, it's it's still going. They got like a whole other event. I didn't even I hadn't <laughs> even heard about that before, but um, yeah, some of the some of the pictures look kind of cool of that too. I missed so much. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was my first maze, so I can't talk about the I think ten ones before. I think it was right eleven. I think ten is right. One? I want to say yeah. it's ten. And they. They just changed locations, and so yes. they had to uh, rethink the whole concept of of the of 
the festival, which um, to to my knowledge worked out pretty well because they used um, well, it, it, it's a ruin basically. So no, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a great, that's perfect way to describe it. Uh, and, and it fits so well with the with the feeling of the festival. So it, it was in the SEZ in Berlin, which is an old um, sort of uh, how would you sport call it in English. I would call it like maybe like a sport and wellness center or a health and wellness center. Yes, yes. Uh, from yeah. from the, um, the the GDR. Yeah. Times yeah. and it's um, it's hollowed out. It's um, just basically um, cement and, and steel. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's it's this really beautiful. I, I mean, it's 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 that it's the beauty of brutalism. So if you don't like brutalism, yes. it's not going to be for you. But it's it's just like <laughs> like bright colored metal, bright painted metal, and just great like big slabs of of gray concrete everywhere. Um, right, it's it's a very great brutalism, which makes it even better that uh, Moshalinka was there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was it. Was it was it was a really cool uh, place. I guess they've had it outside in years past. That's my sense. I feel like I remember seeing pictures last year of it. Yeah, being um, the exhibition was inside of whatever the place was, and uh, the festival ground was outside, only uh, um, okay. with tents and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I I have to admit, it, it was actually really cold. That was like the last cold week that we've had in April. Yes, and I'm really glad that it was inside. But uh, yeah, so that was, I mean, so there were like yeah, and like uh, you know, we had the, the the exhibitions of games and the talks, and the talks were from a, a wide variety of people. You had a lot of game developers, of course, but you also had um, people who are working in games education. Uh, people who are doing something more maybe along the lines of game studies, like like sort of uh, humanistic or media studies or, or other sort of scientific approaches to looking at games, um, not necessarily designing them. But uh, and then and then just like a ton of people who were there to like, you know, I, I participated. We're, we probably won't chat about it today, but I participated in someone's like board game uh, uh, trial where they were trying to get some do some playtesting and feedback on a game. It was about. Bruno Latour's concept of the politics of nature and <laughs> it, it was like it was like okay we're gonna make a board game about the philosophy of Bruno Latour and try and get to make it make it playable so that like CEOs and managers at different corporations can like use it to make better to like in, inhabit the mind space of other people and take you know think more broadly about what what kind of actors are involved in a sort of decision-making process. It was, it was a fascinating attempt. Um, I, I think they are still working on that concept, but th those kinds of things are the, are the kind of activities that happen at a maze. It was, it was cool. It was really cool to, to see that kind of stuff. Did you, did you have anything like favorite, maybe um, talks or parts of the program, like not necessarily games, but just like things that you went to events that you went to during the festival that, that stuck out to you? Uh, I have, and I think we're going to talk about it later. It's um, yeah. the Angela Washko stuff. So yeah. the game, the game. We're absolutely going to talk about that one. I think we could. I mean, we could just jump right into it. Honestly, okay. Um, so it's uh, it it has been a talk by um, Professor Angela Washko. I don't remember the wait. I have her um, card here. She's a uh, Professor of Art at Carnegie Mellon University, right? Yes. You um, you explain to me where that actually is. And I'm and... looking it up again to make to, to <laughs> figure out. I forgot in that intervening time, but 
Uh, yeah, continue, please. See, she's um, she she did a game on pickup artists yeah. on the methods of pickup artists, and she did it in the way. Um, she did a visual novel. She made a visual novel. So yeah. um, and it's it's kind of a, a persiflage of a of a romance visual novel. So yeah. you're playing yeah. a female protagonist. I think her name was Maria. Mm, and okay. she's visiting a bar and in that bar she's um, five people five men um try to pick her up and each one of those uses methods from an actual real life pickup artist from one, yeah. one of those um online schemes that you can sink a lot of money into yes, apparently I had, I had no idea she so during her talk she had the game for exhibition, and that's where we first encountered it. But in her talk, she talked about her research process for doing this. And it was like, what, six, seven, eight hundred dollars to get access to like these different levels. Like you got your silver and gold and diamond levels of engagement. Yeah. It was like extremely and that, expensive. That's just one guy, and she yeah. used the methods of five or I think six because yeah. there was one over one one underlying um, method that got adopted adapted by the other five yeah so, um, um, I, I wrote it down somewhere i think it was uh, m3 method a mystery <laughs> something right. that sounds right yeah yeah i'm sure it's m3 method i'm looking that up right now m3 methodology mystery method yeah we've got it yeah um, um i'm not, I'm not going to give this website a click but that's what that's what it's called no absolutely not but yeah <laughs> that's the, that's the base for all the other um pickup artist styles that um mm -hmm. they use and that she used for um their characters um and it's basically you 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 have to well, it's, it sounds cynical, but you have to survive the evening or, or you yeah. can survive all five of those. You can also give in to one of them because I think what's really clever is that the protagonist, the, the, the woman is, isn't, she's not helpless. She's, um, she's a journalist and she's right. writing something on pickup artist books. So she actually knows what those people do. And you as a player can give her the agency to just um, to, to try them out. Empir test and do some empirical, you know, ethnographic work and yeah, really yes. see, see how the whole process works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, this is, this is where I want to, I want to pause and, and pose a question to you because, um, and this jumps ahead a little bit, but. Uh, so you and I and Ben, we, we, uh, one of the first things we did together was we walked around the show, the exhibition floor and we stopped at this game and we sort of played it together. And I would have to describe our play style as the, with exactly the term you used, which was like survival, um, where we yes. felt like sort of, uh, uh, perpetually attacked by the men that continually presented themselves in our, in our way, so to speak, uh, I, I I wonder, and, and this this actually like so so we were pretty hostile. So there there's often the writing is really strong in this, and that you often have three, four, maybe even five responses that have pretty like clear, different like um, uh, ways to respond, different kind of tone to to the response to whatever the pickup artist is saying to you. Uh, we we took a pretty at least at least from my perspective i'd be curious about yours we took a pretty like hostile approach on that first yeah playthrough. yeah i think so too 
Yeah. We, we felt attacked. We did. Yeah. I, I, and we talked about that a, a lot. And one thing I, I remember as we were playing, like, Ben was like, you know, he, he held out. He stayed strong and, like, said no and said, hey, back off. No thanks. Goodbye. See you later. And at, at somewhere around the fourth guy, I was like, I think I would probably just start chatting like not maybe not giving it maybe giving in is the wrong word or maybe it's exactly the right word for this system um <laughs> it probably is <laughs> it probably is i would probably be worn down enough by all of that like all of the lines and the strategy and the little psychological tricks that they think they're using that i would just be like all right i'll talk to you that's fine but the, but that didn't happen during our playthrough and it also didn't happen during the the audience playthrough um, so at the end of her talk, she, she sort of had us play through like 10 minutes of her game. And, uh, and I think, I think, you know, now this was contextualized by her talk where she talked about the real methods behind, uh, uh, the game, you know, the, 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 these, this M3 method and all of the other various systems, and then showed some clips of, of a guy being like really like just basically sexually harassing a woman and like considering it like a plus, like nailed it, like perfect. Oh um, god, yes, I forgot about that. That was so intense. That was really intense. One one of the one of the things that really impressed me with this one is it like you said, how grating it was and how grating it was to us yeah. or to me, because I'm far from being the well, let's say target audience or, or, or yeah. being um personalized in the protagonist as yeah. a as a white heterosexual male that probably won't um meet stuff like this in, in yeah. a bar and it's still graded so oh so my god hard yeah yeah uh, it, it was it was really just like it was it was really clear that some of their tactics were really meant to just slowly wear you down like that was that was just like essential to yes. how these systems work it was it was really a fascinating game to play and to sort of and uh what's the word like dating simulators or romance visual novels uh can 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 catch a bad rap but there was like i experienced a very wide variety of emotional experiences while playing that game that yes. uh, that i don't think i would have had the opportunity to experience uh, otherwise and maybe i'm glad i don't have to experience them otherwise but um yeah it was it was really something else um yeah did you ha uh, any other thoughts about the game the game I I I really want to play it again. I do and too. And on on her talk, uh, Angela Washko said she would upload it. So far, it's only out there for museums and uh, oh, exhibitions see. like yeah. the Amaze. Yeah. And uh, it it should be already online, but I didn't find it. So she said it would be online by the time uh, we record this, but it, it somehow isn't. Hopefully so by the time we have to wait. Yeah, hope maybe by the time we actually post this episode, we'll which hopefully is will be pretty soon. Um, maybe it'll actually be online. But in any case, we'll we'll post a link to um, to yeah. to Doctor Washko's uh, website, and you can yeah. probably get it right. there. Um, which uh, it's it's somehow especially interesting to me because um, so I don't know if you um, knew this, but I think we talked about it, and you said you you. You didn't know it, um, the Super Seducer game by pickup artist Richard LaRuina. Yeah. I think oh is my his God, name. That name. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to um, get a picture. What does this man look like? Yes, he looks exactly like 
he sounds. Oh my god, he's the ruiner. That's him. He's the or he's oh, the he, ruin, I suppose. <laughs> he's he's the ruin. Yes. He's yeah. Not the ruin that a maze took place in, but a worse <laughs> right, one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> so there's this um, pickup artists. I, I I hesitate to call it education game on yeah. Steam called Super Seducer by. Yeah. Um, that pickup artist self-called guru Richard Laruina and he's trying to sell his game as um, a method to well a method to m learn his method basically mm -hmm. to, to learn how to pick up girls and I think it's uh, it was released about a year or two ago and it fell on a lot of, uh, well it was very hilarious <laughs> it, it didn't try to be, but it definitely was. <laughs> there is um, that's better than I, it being I, successful, I'll say. Yes, it 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 seems actually that's true because um, he made a second part where he mm. leaned heavily into the um, hilarious part because oh. well, it it sold the game, I guess, yeah, which is yeah. ho horrible in its own yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Lean but, into yeah, the we, sort of campy, like irony, enjoy irony players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is really horrible to me because um, the second part kind of. Um, oh, I'm missing the English word here. He's um, the second part helps make the first one um, acceptable, socially mm. acceptable because yeah. um, you can just go back on the position. Well, it's just fun. It's it's mm. it's just games. Yeah, which yeah, the yeah. first one definitely wasn't intended to be. Right, right. The first one was but. sort of meant to teach you something in a very, like, a straightforward sort of educational mode. And the second one sort of pushed, like, pushed well beyond that and sort of got really ridiculous. Is that, is, if I'm understanding it correctly? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the first one was basically the same kinds of ridiculous just unintentional so um there's <laughs> yeah. I, I i can give you one example there's a okay. scene in a bar um as well where um a woman is sitting on a bench somewhere and he's uh, you you can you can choose answers basically you can choose one of four answers only one of them is um the right one in air mm -hmm. quotes so the one that gets you into her pants mm -hmm. the other ones are bad choices and one of the bad choices is show her your penis <laughs> so you walk up to her and you pull down your trousers and, and it's a of... it's a fmv game so full motion video oh he is doing all the videos with some female actors yeah of course ac actresses and he's well he's just pulling down his pants and the whole thing is very hilarious. Oh my god! And very horrible. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. This is this was the this was something that I, you know, like, I I was vaguely aware of like seduction culture and seduction whatever they call themselves coaches or or, or pickup artists and stuff like that. Um, I think the I think the really good thing about Washko's game is that. What, what was important to her that she described in her talk was like actually trying to, all she was trying to do was not perform some sort of like critique of this stuff or to say, or do some sort of like a, do a reading of it or try and expose something about it. Like all she did was replicate and like reproduce text from the things that they described themselves. 
and it was through the reassembly in this in this game that she had created that I think she was able to bring together all of the all of the elements that most people would find most objectionable and 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 by by contextualizing it so closely to another it exposes the the sort of shtick for what it is which is this sort of like creepy like disrespectful boundary pushing like it can it veers into this sort of you know really like gray and sometimes not even gray areas with like the, yeah. the the how how you can treat another how you can and should treat another human being so i i i think i think the the brilliance of the of the game the game is just in like <laughs> just kind of show like hey look this is real this is just people really do this and this is literally verbatim how they talk and the things they say and uh and and that gesture is sufficient to sort of it's it's not it's not the typical just like thing of exposure where you try to reinterpret something or find something as a hidden symbol. It's just kind of out there in the open. It doesn't need to be uncovered, so to speak. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I find so so great about it. Yeah, and to the to the common sense, it it, it should work, and well, I, I think it works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, um, that's the game. The game. Uh, we, we we saw some other cool stuff. Um, we saw another game. Uh, do you, let's let's talk about Fantastic Fetus. I think that would be. I think that was another yes. one that we both really liked. This one was kind of. This one was like also. Uh, this one was more light, a lighthearted transformation of something that could have been deeply deeply serious, and and so also sort of like a like a local uh, sort of local political statement as well. So, um, uh, Fantastic Fetus was made by Thomas Feichtmeier. Maya, I'm. I'm not. I may be saying that it, more German. It's an than it. Austrian name, yeah. Uh, it's it's okay. Feicht, Feichtmeier, I think. Feichtmeier, okay. It's, and then uh, Alexandra uh, Yarosh, I think is is the way to say it. So it, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, I'm not sure if uh, if Thomas is is uh, is from Poland. He might have been. Um, no, he's from Austria. He's from I Austria. talked to he them afterwards for a little bit. Yes, uh, okay. he's from Austria. The development team um, yeah. is from Austria. And uh, Alexandra came um, to the development team. So she's part okay. of it now. Got it. And she's from Poland. She brought the topic with her. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so uh, it was really fascinating. And, and they were both there at the exhibit while while we were while we were playing the game. And they sort of like... Wa- like like probed us to like you know project a little bit of narrative into their game which was kind of fun mm-hmm. but um i think the the quickest way to to say it is it's sort of uh, i mean this is this is their description that it's a pregnancy simulator sort of in the style of a, of a tamagotchi like sort of like what those little di- there were these old digital pets that you would take care of and you'd have to feed them or clean up after them or you know do like two or three very basic things but you have to constantly take care of them um and then uh, in between taking care of this, this uh, pregnant woman, you slowly create this dream child and you slowly piece it together night after night. And it's, it's, uh, it's inspired, um, both the game and, and the developer said this, it's inspired by the black protest movement in Poland, um, which was uh, a, a protest movement which happened uh, in 2016 when there was an attempt by the, uh, by the current government in 2016 to try to ban all abortions. Um, and this sort of sparked a lot of, uh, of reaction and, and organized protesting from, from women who sort of took to the streets in black. So that's the black protest where that's sort of coming from. Um, Pascal, what did, you, what did you love about the child that we tried to create? What was your favorite part of it? 
Uh, you mean a physical body parts? <laughs> so <laughs> I <I'm> think <laughs> I think we had like a unicorn horn and demon wings and a cutesy eye. Um, uh, uh, no, yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, um, there, you, you, every night the Tama Mama is her name. That's right, Tama Mama. The, That's the right. mother is um, dreaming up her dream fetus while yeah. every morning she's watching the news and um, her 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 um, her worries grow because mm-hmm. um, basically you you play out those nine months as as nine days in the game, so you you sleep nine times. And um, the political situation outside of her of her home uh, gets worse, basically. It does. So she she tries to think of her dream child, and her dream child can be partly or fully, however you want to do it as a player, a fungus, or <laughs> it can be a demon, or yeah. an angel, or, or, or it can a, be a tentacle monster, a Cthulhu, yeah, Cthulhu monster of some sort, yeah. Um, it's some really clever. It's some really clever visual design and some art design that uh, that goes into that. Um, I was curious. I wanted to ask you this question. So, um, mm-hmm. with the context of having the developers there to sort of explain it to us. Now, at the end of the game, you also get some more historical context for like what the game is about. I don't want to spoil the ending, but um, it sort of informs you about these the, about the Black Protest movement, about the attempts to ban abortions. It talks a little bit about um, other other politics regarding uh, the control of women's bodies and, and, the, and the lack of the attempt to restrict women's agency uh, in Poland around that time. But um, how did you read and respond to this sort of Tamagotchi gameplay along with that sort of political message? I was curious about how that, how that resonated with you. Uh, that's a good question, but I can. Uh, I have to say, you primed me on this. Not okay, um, fair. That's b- fair. B- by accident, um, <laughs> okay, okay. Basically, but um, we, we we should we should we we should recreate the sentence you said while we played this. Um, <laughs> we, <we're laughs> yeah, go for it. Go <laughs> because ahead. that encapsulates perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I yeah I I I was playing and I I was we were actually everyone was like I was like we were having fun because we were like leaning into the the space of uh, like the spaces where we could create our own fiction so they they kept asking us like oh who is she calling on the phone like what is she listening to on the radio and we were kind of like having fun and joking around and i and uh i kept forgetting to like take care of something or i kept oh, i was like oh i forgot to she needed a shower there or oh she should have had a different snack a cake not pierogi at that point and and uh and you sort of said no come on you got to do this i was like oh i'm doing i'm doing a terrible job i i can't even i can't even order around uh women properly i'm going to be a terrible husband and this was <laughs> this was met with this was met with good laughter uh in the moment um and i totally meant it sarcastically because from from my perspective it the the whole game the sort of idea of taking care of a pregnant woman as if it is a pet is just a really like clever and sort of subtle jab at like Polish politicians or just like, I mean, there's, this is not by any means restricted to Poland. Like if you look at recent uh, uh, attempts uh, in, in many states in the United States to ban abortions, this is like a, an active political uh, uh, issue in many countries um, that just like the whole game seems to sort of say that, hey, if we just take care of a woman and give them some cake while they're pregnant, uh, yeah, everything's just going to be just fine, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think this game is a really clever way of responding to that. 
Yeah. And it's um I think 15 minutes long and yeah. um, we we almost stopped at day 7 or something so we almost yeah. didn't play through it yeah. but um it, it it's also free and you can even play it on phones um in in your browser we we'll probably put the link in somewhere as well For sure that'll and be in the show notes play, play the whole game play to the end the end yeah. is shockingly powerful Yeah yeah it hits it hits you and and it sort of i think it does a little bit of work to sort of disturb the 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 sort of oh it's fun i'm taking care of this pregnant woman i yeah i just exactly. i make sure i'd say when she sleeps and when she eats <laughs> it mm-hmm. it's uh it's a really clever uh it's a really clever game and, and definitely worth checking out so that's fantastic fetus once again um yeah the i mean the other there were w- were there other things on the show floor that you wanted to mention because there was another there's a whole nother sort of uh a, a sort of uh event that we went to besides amaze that i that i think we wanted to chat a little bit about before we move away from amaze anything any last words for amaze hmm. uh, yeah honorable honorable mention to um operation jane walk did you watch that one i didn't i did not um, it's 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 a video about people playing the division. The, sorry, the division. So the the Ubisoft online um, third person shooter, but as a museum tour. So I you did. Got one. I did see some of that. Actually, I forgot. Yes. It actually won one of the awards. Oh, I'm not it's sure so which one, it. but it got um, uh, some prize money as well, which Good. was great. So and uh, the guy doing the tour was um i'm not sure what exactly but he was very well versed in social structure and in um architecture so yeah urban planning urban environments that kind of stuff yeah so he he walked they they walked through the environment which was still hostile so it wasn't it wasn't modded or something right it was just based game um division and explained um the the structure of the um united nations building and stuff like that so yeah when was it built why does it look like it does what's the problem with the design who designed it right and i think it was really great idea to just subverse um the shooter gameplay of um the division and re-inject it with like a sense of local history and a sort of critical or and a sort of critical material look at how buildings come to be the way they are and how cities get structured i i agree that that was a really cool thing and definitely worth checking out we'll throw that in the show notes too that was really neat mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah, I, I actually had one thing i wanted to shout out before we moved on from a mate like mm-hmm. from you know, part of uh, still game Berlin Games Week, but slightly outside the the walls of of the S uh, of the Sport und Erholungszentrum, and that was <laughs> um, that was a talk uh, with uh, Squinky and Zoyander Street. Uh, oh right. Uh, about queer gaming history. Did you make it to this one as well, Pascal? I think you did. Uh, yes, yes. This was so wonderful. I did. This I, yeah. I that day I left early. Um, I, I I my partner was sort of working on a project and had something due really soon, so I had to play a little bit between uh, helping out at home and and, and attending the a festival. But I, but she was like, "Go, go back out, go to that event. You wanted to go to it, and I'm so glad that I went. It was just <laughs> such a wonderful and like affirming, and 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 like fascinating uh, 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 look into two people's, two queer people's, I think they're both trans, or, or at least one, I think they both identify as 
gender fluid or gender non-binary and them mm -hmm. reflecting on their personal experiences growing up playing games when they when they sort of transitioned into making games um and they both actually have uh have or are currently uh, uh in academia and have done sort of research on on games history and um and have just really fascinating um perspectives the journalism on... as well I yeah think. yeah right absolutely yeah so uh Zoyander street uh was i think i think no longer is sort of I don't know what the titles are, managing editor, that kind of stuff, but was heavily involved with a website that, that we mentioned on the podcast earlier called Critical Distance. Always worth checking it out. It's a really great resource for um, all sorts of really great critical writing about games um, that's come out through blogs, not just through the main channels, but also some really fascinating, like just, yeah, things that people post on their own private blog that uh, that get sort of archived and it's an attempt to sort of create a, a history and a, and a, commu a, a community around games criticism and journalism. So that was a really wonderful event and just made me feel nice and gave me hope, which is a rare <laughs> commodity uh, for me, at least in, in, in these last couple of years. So it's always wonderful to, yeah. to get a I think it can it. be said of all of Amaze. All, yeah. Every direction of it gave hope to um, yeah. parts of to those people that, that, that needed it. Yeah. There was big, big crowds of um, just people playing those um, experimental games, games you would never see on any other show floor. So those people got um, attention and help with their development. There was, um, I think it was called Enter Africa. I think that's yes. the project title. Yes. It's a project from the Goethe Institute yeah. in Johannesburg. Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's 18 games from 18 African countries. Yeah. And in, I think this summer, so on, on Gamescom 2019, they will show all their games and combine them in some mega project. Uh, I didn't understand completely what that part was, but it sounded really, really impressive. And you, it did. you could um, talk to the developers from, I think, Nairobi, where at the at the maze um I, I don't know if you were there uh, i did the, i the... i went through their booth like later in the time did you did they did they make a little sketch of you too no no oh no but I, I, i've seen that uh, one of the guys painted or, or sketched the people that talked there so did did you get one i did there was one guy it was they were doing a little operation so one guy was there sort of uh, manning the booth and like talking to anyone who came by and sort of explaining what the what the project was and like introducing a couple of the examples of the games that were being that were that were developed or are in development and there was another guy just sitting in the corner and I, I was just like strolling through the booth and I, I just said hi and he just sort of like said you know hello and was like working on something and then right before I'm about to leave he sort of walks up and he's like have you seen this man before and it's just like a like a really <laughs> like one of those like little caricature kind of drawings but really good uh, of me I I need to figure out uh his name because I kind of want to use that as my as my Twitter <laughs> avatar because it was really it was really good it was really cute um I really yeah I think that. I think they tweeted them somewhere oh good I, okay I, good I, I think I've seen some of those so you might be able to to find it I need to go hunting for that yeah, and I, they they even had a talk on one of the panels about I think fifteen of those eighteen games. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. They had three sessions, but um, five games each, and the developers talked about um, their part of 
the of the games. Some of them uh, even uh, spoke French and yeah. were um, translated to, into English. Most of the talks, no, all of the talks, I think, were in English. Yeah, and it was really impressive just to to hear some stories because well, a lot of those games um, deal with. Um, daily challenges they they yeah. have in in doing their game development because yeah. the the internet structure is not as it should be uh, stuff yeah. like this uh, and it's it's a sort of different infrastructure that is like more focused on mobile games and and that actually makes the the focus of location based games make a lot of sense um mm-hmm. for that for the overall project yeah I, i'm actually really glad you mentioned this because i think it's really good to shout out to the organizers of a maze to sort of like intentionally go beyond like the EU and the US to sort of bring developers in from from different parts of the world um, and to include them in the programming. Obviously, it's like just an invitation is not a magic bullet to like making sure that everyone gets to speak and be heard in the way that they that they want to. But it was I think it was I think it was really uh, an important gesture, at least on the, on the at the part of at the level of programming for this event. So, yeah, another absolutely. important thing to shout out. Uh, um he's he's not the only one doing this of course but um, right. i think he's he's like the the, the figure everyone uh, associates with amaze um, right. storno um Thorsten mm-hmm. Wiedemann yeah yeah um who also got the the prize at the German video game awards for mm-hmm. amaze there was a um, honorable mention prize for the event which was really cool as well yeah so if you if you use twitter or um yeah I think mostly he, they are on Twitter. Follow the Amazefest account. It's just yeah. Amazefest or um, Storno with a with a zero at the end instead of an O. So um, they do really really cool stuff. Definitely, especially if you are uh, uh, able to come to Berlin occasionally. There's I, I think they organize quite a few events throughout the year in addition to Amaze. So mm-hmm. good good accounts to follow. Um. Let's move to a, a sort of different literal location that we went to on Saturday. So there was actually a, a whole lot of programming on Saturday. I did not make it to any of it. Um, uh, I was I, I had other plans, unfortunately, but I did make some time. Uh, and and you, I, I have to thank you, Pascal, for cluing me into this because um, uh, you let me know that there was an event at a place called Zaftladen here in Berlin, which was really cool. It was a, it's an indie game collective that I somehow learned about through Twitter at some point. I think I was just like literally Googling game developers, Germany, game developers, Berlin or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And they had a sort of open house uh, and at their sort of shared office space that they rent together. And it's a, uh, it's a bunch of different indie game developers coming together and showing, you know, sharing, sharing office space and, and presumably other sorts of resources to, to, work on their own individual projects. Um, we we saw a lot of stuff there. What, what what was what were some of the things that stuck out to you there that you saw, Pascal? Um, so I, I played three things there. I was only there for two hours because I had to go to the train afterwards. That's right. Um, um, I saw Death Trash by yes. Stefan Hövelbrings by yeah. uh, Tailcrafter is his is, is the tag his um indie game studio goes with um it's a what what does he call it it's a flashpunk game yeah yeah so it's it's a a a cyber 
cyberpunk with a lot of meat there's one <laughs> of the one of the first monsters you see is a flesh kraken so just a enormous mass of, of meat that became sentient and it's it's an action game somehow part partly rpg it was yeah with some rpg um stuff and it was really impressive because Mostly um, because uh, he's doing it completely alone, if I remember correctly. It looks I think, really I think good. he's it got is... maybe one person doing music or something like that, but almost the music, everything. right? Yeah, I think that was the one yeah. thing. But, but yeah. Uh, uh, and he also was really friendly and loved to talk about his game. Um, one game both of us played a lot more was the Fermi Paradox yeah, by yeah. Um, Jörg Reisig. Yeah, yeah. And we played uh, basically a full playthrough of the demo, I think. Yeah. And it's, both of it, us, you on the PC and I'm on the tablet. Yeah, it's this really cool sort of... I think he's trying to rethink the grand strategy game or mm-hmm. the or the, the, something like that by... And, and the rethinking is taking a, like the micromanagey stuff out of it and maybe even taking a lot of the complexity. So for, for those of you who may have listened to our episode on history where we, where we tried to play a little bit of Crusader Kings, that was a, that was a game by Paradox. Paradox is famous for their, for their extremely complex, uh, complex grand strategy games where I think I had to watch like six hours of a Let's Play to sort <laughs> of get a sense of how to play that game at all. And Fermi Paradox... Uh, preserves the narrative scope of the grand strategy game. It's sort of a space exploration game. You have different civilizations that are slowly, possibly maybe developing over the course of time and maybe eventually finding each other. And then there's there can be internal conflict, but there can also be conflict between different species on uh, different planets and all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and it really sort of simplifies things down to like you know maybe three different kinds of decisions based on different kinds of events that happen and you sort of i think he he said that we literally the player is literally positioned as some sort of godlike figure who sort of yeah. prevents you're, or helps uh you know various civilization developments you're you're basically your fate your yes um, well yeah. i think the 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 resource there's only one resource to use are the possibility points That's so it. um you can do um actions in the game world you can manipulate how those civilizations develop by either spending possibility points to do something or to 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 make them able to do something which is um which they shouldn't shouldn't be able to at this right. point. You can spend a lot of those um, of those points, or you can get those points if you make them do something that throws them back in time, or yeah, like or, or it makes or them halt their development. Yeah, it, it's sort of like you can spend the points to intervene in a situation where something really bad could happen, um, or you can sort of let, or you can like let a neutral thing happen, or you can let something that is most sometimes really bad, sometimes not obviously really bad, like just let them become very militaristic isn't, I mean, I guess when I say it that way, it does sound pretty bad to start, but like no one literally dies <laughs> but, from that decision. But that, That's um, a great example because yeah. it was the first. So um, it's um, one, one important point we should make is you don't win by domination in this game. You still right. win somehow by... by um, expanding like a lot of those um 4x games yeah. do but not by domination you win 
by spreading as many um, civilizations through the universe and not having them ex uh, yeah, uh, extinct in yeah, the end. Destroy themselves and or each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the one of the first decisions I had to make was, do I let the humans who were um, almost at the point of discovering another civilizations, do I let them develop? I think it was tanks. It was just oh, um, okay. Um, um, high tech tanks or no okay. stealth bombers. Sorry. Oh, stealth yeah, bombers. I had the stealth bombers event too. Yeah. And 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 I thought well. There is, first of all, I was really cynical. There's overpopulation on Earth, <laughs> yes. and I need the points. So please yeah. go ahead and develop stealth bombers. Yeah. Um, I... They probably won't help you at all in space, so why should the right. other civilization worry about space bombers? Right. Well, let's just say they had to worry about space bombers <laughs> in the end. <laughs> Did they end up destroying themselves? Um, no, n none of the civilizations, neither the humans nor the, the other ones, I think they were fish people, um, mm. they didn't destroy each other or themselves, but my fish people had a colony and they had some problems with their piping and I think the whole colony got extinct in the end oh. so um oh. and the, the 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 humans sent out a colony ship to them full with stealth bombers so oh. I, I, oh. I never i never had to see the war played out because the demo ended before that <laughs> right. but i can very well imagine how <laughs> this this colony on the brink of extinction would have faced um, my bomber squadrons. Yeah. So that was not the intention I had when I <laughs> gave humans the power to bomb itself, basically. But now, what would you, perfectly... humans, what'd you go do with those stealth bombers? I, I didn't mean for you to use it for evil. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was just... Mitchell and Webb sketch where it's like a scientist who's making the evil death ray and he's like I can't believe it's being used for evil it's a wonderful <laughs> sketch I'm gonna put that was, in the description I was just trying to to prune earth a little bit down <laughs> and that that I, I picked so this is a thing too where I definitely had I can't remember what the decision was but I made what I said I turned to Jurg and I said well I just made my first base god fascist decision and he was like oh yeah i bet you got a lot of points for it too i was like yeah i did i did get a lot of points for it i got a lot of possibility points um i think i think uh after talking with your uh, after i was finished playing i talked with him like especially about the question of how like what does overpopulation mean because that's like a, a a sort of um a common trope in describing uh how civilizations how, how civilizations progress and grow and expand is to to describe expansions as overpopulation but of course you could easily describe that as like maybe a like a, a, a unequal distribution of resources or like overconsumption right um, there are there are different ways to describe the problem of having to, uh, of, of thinking about why there's too much demand but I think Jurg is attentive to those kinds of questions and he said like you know like overpopulation the only sort of negative th it has is sort of like it slows down certain processes it's not like a, a, a like a totally bad thing so um, I'm interested to see where that game develops uh, and and sort of how he tackles uh, how he tackles the the sort of old tropes from grand strategy games in a sort of new format because it, it seems like he wants to push it in different directions 
and I, I, I really hope he does. I, I'm really curious to see how the thing develops. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really optimistic because yeah. what he said absolutely made a lot of sense. And uh, well, as you can see by my example, um, I completely fell for those tropes, and <laughs> I hope he, I hope he or or they lead um, players into that trap. I want them to to um, to try it and to fail. Yeah, just like I did. Yeah. And and this actually leads this leads into another game that we played that wasn't actually necessarily a super new game, but the question of like how to how to think about how to lead players through like troublesome actions um, and like creating space to think about that stuff. Um, a, another game that we saw that I that I think we both uh, thought I mean I definitely thought a lot about this one afterwards was mm-hmm. a game called Curious Expedition. Um, and this was by uh, by a team at Safladen called Maschinenmensch, mm-hmm. and um, it's a team composed of two people, yeah. Liat and Johannes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so um, so you've actually played this game before. This has been out for a little while, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Could you yep. set for up... four years almost? Oh, yeah. so quite a while. Yep. Yeah. Could you set up like what the game is and how it functions and what its general sort of vibe is? Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, if, if you've played a game called Renowned Explorers, you, you know a lot about the setting of uh, The Curious Expedition. It's um, a game about explorers in, I think it's the 18th century, or roughly but, some, yeah. something like this. Um, so they have um, shotguns and pistols and dynamite, but they are sailing to their destination and... Yeah, um, so it's it's you're part of a of a guild as such um, of explorers, and they try to determine who is the best um, explorer, who's the best adventurer in the yeah. whole Western world. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that it's the Western, uh, it's yeah. Europe basically. Yeah. Um, and as as far as I can see from the world map in the game, it's an alternate universe where North America hasn't been settled because there (laughs) are wilderness parts that you can explore in Northern America. Um, You can... You you pick one adventurer. You can pick um, male or female ones. You have, which was um, very delightful for us, um, Heisinga. Johan Heisinga. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. A classic Um, of game studies. Yeah, a classic of, course, of exploring uh, <laughs> the jungles, uh, yes. apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, you can take um, companions with you, you can take uh, animals with you, and you go to uh, as of yet unexplored part of the world. And there you can find villages of indigenous people, and you can find treasures, and that's the, the goal of the game is to take as many treasures as you can back to Europe. Yeah. And that's where the problem begins. <laughs> yeah. Problems begin. <laughs> so this, so I'm, I'm really glad you set it up that way because, so you knew about this game in advance. I, I didn't really know. I actually, I feel like I knew of Machine and Mensch. I actually, turns out I wasn't following him on Twitter. I am now, but um, uh, we walked up and I think one of the developer's kids was like playing the game. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And you were like, oh, yeah, I played this. And so I, I sat down to sort of play through it a little bit. And they had like a demo set up. And I was clicking through. And it was in uh, it was set in German. And so I was like reading through it kind of carefully because I, I read a little slower when I, when I read in German. And uh, there was just like, uh, like I got through maybe the first exploration. And at the end, yeah. 
I had a party with uh, an indi- I had a recruited an indigenous person for my party. You can have up to five people in your party, I think. And I had to convince them to like they, they didn't want to stay with my party because like you have five more expeditions to go on uh, in one sort of playthrough. And they didn't want to go, and so I convinced them, and I, I regaled them with all... I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was in German, but like I regaled them with the stories of the civilized world and all of its beauty and yes. wonder and all that stuff. Um, and I was I just was like, like, throw on the brakes. I was like, mm, hold on, what? <laughs> and so like I had this moment of like, oh, what? And so we, and I chatted with you, I asked you, it's like, oh, do they ever problematize that? And you were like, uh, not to my knowledge. And, and I, I, we were talking back and forth. I don't exactly remember how this went down because honestly, all of this is a bit of a blur in my mind now. But um, the kid was like, "Oh, do you want to talk to like the developers? I'll, I'll go get them." Like uh, he didn't get his dad. His dad was like trying to get out. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the um, son of uh, Johannes. So yeah, he yeah. Got Riyad he to got, talk he, to us. Yeah, he brought uh, Riyad over and, and we chatted with him. And basically. Uh, without thinking i kind of launched into an impromptu like sort of feedback critique <laughs> conversation with him uh and this was all in german so my german's fine but it, but it just adds that little layer of nervousness where i'm like oh am i am i communicating well am i you know is this also like what what is polite in this sort of situation and um I, i'm curious like how did how did this all how did how do you remember this situation do you remember that it it going well medium not so good i'm really <laughs> curious about what you thought <laughs> about how this all went down i i think you made your points really well okay so, that, that's um, good to hear i i was not co- uh, directly um, part of this conversation at that point but i yeah. think it went well in that regard that you um you yeah you you told you you told him what you wanted to tell him so yeah, we had and, one, that the problem we had with this part of the game because it was only the first part we talked about right. the later part uh, um just after that it was that there there was no context given to the to the horrible actions to yeah. none of them because yeah. you can you can raid shrines and which which, which um makes uh, which which brings different parts of the game world to destruction basically yeah. you can have yeah. a shrine that makes volcanoes go active right. because you took the idol and yeah. that's what we did and if you run fast enough after that that's fine for you but it's yeah. not so fine <laughs> for the village just next to the shrine which just and got burned the, up or the all the grass like all the forests and grassland that have been burned out now and now they regrow yeah. but you know you've done some damage yeah. you've done a lot of damage yeah. and it's not just it's not just um blunt stuff like this you can you can rob um elephant graveyards which may uh, of of their ivory of course um mm-hmm. which can make entire um elephant herds in the vicinity hunt you and you can kill them as well and right. you can take their ivory as well and right if if you can't carry all of the ivory, you can take one of the natives. You can convince them. You can't um, enslave them. Um, right. I think that's important. Thank point fucking to God. Make at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we come around really critical at the moment, but there, yeah. there's more. Yeah. There's there more. Is. There is. Um, <laughs> and 
Well, we basically we confronted Riyad with this. Yeah, I, I think confrontation he... is probably I, I, I don't know how he felt about it, but I did feel like I was doing that at a certain yeah, point. Uh, we, uh, in the later in the later part of the of the talk we had, um, we definitely confronted him, but it, I think it was intentional for me <laughs> at least. Yeah, because yeah. I, I wanted to see how he reacts. Yeah, I um, I, I did too, and and it was. And if 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 I can just interject here, it's for me this was like a, a like a moment where like the conversation started and I had just like been in my critical game studies you know like kind of analysis mode where I was like oh wow I just saw a really bad thing uh, that is like really problematic and it doesn't seem to be problematized at all. But then when I was immediately presented with the person who had built this thing, I was like, okay, I do want to voice to this person that like, Hey, I think this is really problematic. And it, how, how did you think about this? And actually he had a, a response to this. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if you remember this, Pascal, but I, I maybe um, do. He said he wanted to make players feel bad um, That's about right. doing the bad stuff. Right. Yes. And, and I thought that was really, I mean, to, to a certain extent, like, you know, he's did a little preamble. I was like, yes, we actually have thought about this. We've gotten feedback about this already. It's something we're considering for future versions of the game. Um, and in the moment, um, I, I had been in other contexts. I've been thinking about, like, okay, like, what if I'm going to be in this whole academia thing, like, what is, what is the point? <laughs> like, what, what, is the, what is the value of, of becoming a professor and doing all this work? And, and one thing that I, I think I've become relatively convinced is important is giving people the space to grow and and in order to give students or or even or anyone like anyone that you have a conversation with anyone where where like the possibility of learning or change is possible um the making someone feel bad about what they believe or making someone have shame about about like you know opinion they have or something that they've done i mean depending on the action there are certain actions that we should shame people for but like there's a lot of just sort of mediocre to pretty to kind of bad opinions that people can have that that are just like oh you like if you heard some arguments you might very well change your mind and so in the moment i suggested like hey it'd be really cool if the game made space for the player to just take a moment to think about what they've done um, not necessarily to judge them directly, to make them feel really bad, but instead to give them like some point in the gameplay to to reflect on on their action. And you actually had a really great um, example of of a game that has done that. Did you want to mention that briefly? Mm -hmm. um, we should probably set up um, the Curious Expedition how it does or rather doesn't do what, um, or at least. Um, I think it doesn't what yeah. the dev said because I I don't think it makes players feel bad. Yeah, I, I don't that's think actually, it succeeds. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, obviously you feel bad if you die in the fire that you caused by stealing <laughs> something right. from a shrine. Right. But but there's there's no real commentary. There is um yeah. the one um the, the one example Riyad gave to us was Lovecraft. 
you can play as HP Lovecraft uh, as an explorer because the game has some uh, Lovecraftian cosmic horror stuff in right. the late game. So, um, and Lovecraft has a trait which obviously makes him racist. Right. So you have a racist trait and he makes all people around him racist as well. So he can only recruit right. white European people. He can't recru recruit, sorry, Persian people. He can't recruit the natives. Right. right. Um, and which, which gives him a disadvantage, obviously. But right, and that—that's sort of if, his his like balance patch. Like, gotta give that, him some positives and negatives. One of the negatives is he's a racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, that's one of the points Riyad made, and I think yeah. he's right on that. Um, uh, it's it's important to to point that out. Racism and sexism, which is also in the game, are never good. There's not a single point in the game where you get an advantage by being racist. Right. That's, right. Well, that's it. Should be a given. And that's in this case, very, it is a given. That's wonderful. So yeah. Let's <laughs> just mention it and move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I um, actually had one. Or no, continue. Finish your point, please. Uh, yes. I'm sorry. There, the point I was trying to make is, if you win the game, you get a statue built. Yeah. Of your of your explorer. Yeah. And it doesn't matter in the slightest how bad you've been or uh -huh. how bad your character is by the narrative. So whether you are Harriet Tubman, which is who is an awesome explorer in this game, or um, Lovecraft, who's an asshole, right. <laughs> you get a golden statue of your face right. in the middle of the European city you, yeah. um, you, uh, you embarked from. Right. And that's never put into perspective yeah and yeah that's the one thing i gave an example from another game right which is a worse game from um just gameplay perspective but sure. is doing a great job of contextualizing directions um it's nantucket by picaresque studios and it's a game very much in the style of something like um, faster than light or sunless sea but in the era of whale hunting, it's um, narratively it takes place after Moby Dick. So it's the world of, of Melville's book, but after um, Captain Ahab died and Spoiler stuff alert. like that. Sorry, it's how old is this book? <laughs> I think it's probably pretty old. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, um, you just, you play, I think you play Ishmael even and you play oh. just he's 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 um bitten by the whale hype again and he goes mm. out and um goes whaling and while you whale while you bring in the the whale oil and sell the bones and eat the meat um you go into different harbors around the world and whenever you um are in a harbor you get a loading screen and the loading screen is a newspaper and the newspaper um, has some kind of progress so I think every time you um, are in a new harbor you get one year progress and you can see what happens in the world around you so then there's there's a war over some whaling territories and you can read about that in the newspaper or it's um, a, a race of whales just almost got extinct and maybe it's the one you just hunted yeah, so right. There's there's commentary on your actions, right? And and like you said in the moment, it's it's something that 
is there like it pops up as sort of an interstitial moment between bits of gameplay so that like players who just want to play the game can just sort of say ah cool some headlines boop but also there's going to be some people who who like read that stuff a little more closely because they like reading stories and they and they're interested in the story of the game and and they go like uh, oh was the, was that me did did I do that? <laughs> and, and like <laughs> maybe change the way they play or at least come away like thinking about something, uh, uh, thinking, thinking about the context of their play actions in, in, in a more holistic way. Yeah. yeah I, and yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. My machine and Mensch is doing a second part of Curious Expedition at the moment. Yes. And let's, uh, we, we, we asked about that. They, they weren't giving us a clear answer, but a, I guess they're not far into development as of yet. Um, but I think and I hope they'll do something along those lines in the second part. Yeah, I think there's a... I, I wanted to just quickly... I'm going to throw a bunch of sort of citation material stuff in the, uh, in, the, in the description for people who are interested in writing about and research on... Um, thinking about colonialism in games and thinking about post-colonial theory in games together... But um, there's a quote from one uh, article by uh, a scholar. Uh, it's Dr. Soraya Murray. The, the article is The Work of Postcolonial Game Studies in the Play of Culture. Um, and that is such a, uh, like a really powerful and, and important essay that sort of makes the case that, um, like, again, is also actually thinking about the purpose of the profession. Like, why would one be an academic? Why would someone study games? Um, and 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 Murray really pushes in that uh, in that essay that um, academic work needs to be a sort of intervention into sort of public debates and 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 and, and uh, discourses about art and its production. And I, I think the challenge that she says that she poses for for um, academics to do is to is to re-inject questions of ethics back into conversations about how and why we make culture right um and i think like a way like i think the, i think the challenge really is to to find ways like in this moment I, I was very keenly aware of the fact like oh i could just go off on a sort of critical tangent but i and and whether that helps or maybe sort of like a more open like hey read this thing ha, ha, like maybe consult with someone who comes from a different background than you do or who has done research and development and writing about sort of post-colonial theory like maybe that's another avenue for for solving this problem the other thing i had i was just like you know black panther came out maybe two years ago and i just i in a moment i just saw this image of like sort of the opposite game of of curious expedition where mm -hmm. kill where where you play as killmonger and and a bunch of his of his friends and you go to all the great museums in the West and you freaking get your goddamn culture back and you take <laughs> it back and you bring it back. Like you it's, and, and you contextualize it with different kinds of, you know, you could have all the same kind of cast of characters or whatever, but the, the, you, instead of exploring exotic islands, you uh, explore Berlin and like, you bring back knowledge of this strange foreign city with bizarre customs to the sensible people <laughs> back in the, you know, in the, in the global South or whatever like that, you know, mm -hmm. like flip the perspective and allow the player to inhabit someone else's perspective, not the colonizer's perspective, but the perspective of yep. the, of the colonized and, and let the player sort of stew 
in that perspective and get a sense of of what what that what the what the actions of the first game sort of mean like that i don't know you know machine and mensch that one's for free if you want you know take it <laughs> take it if you want make me make me the killmonger game uh killmonger's curious expedition 2 is, is what i would love love to play from them <laughs> let's see how the second game plays out yeah we'll see we'll see um yeah i mean i think that was that was basically covered everything that i i wanted to touch on um uh pascal any any closing thoughts before we wrap it up not really no we we talked about all the games we wanted to talk about yeah and you still have some um some theory i think yes yeah yeah. oh yeah i just wanted to quickly shout this stuff out yeah um so a couple i this is just a quick skim uh gamestudies.org is a pretty is a great resource because it's open uh it's 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 um open access so you do not have to be a student or a or associated with any university in order to gain access to this writing so um couple couple pieces i'd recommend if you're interested in thinking about games and colonialism post-colonialism dom ford's explore expand exploit exterminate uh, affective writing of postcolonial history and education in Civilization V. Um, uh, speaking of Civilization V, I would also recommend uh, a little piece by uh, on the website, a little website called Language at Play, .de, um, <laughs> where uh, where the very own Pascal Wagner has written about civilization and colonialism, and that one's in English, so that one's accessible to you know a, a sort of international. Um, audience and then of course i already uh, shout out soraya murray's uh, essay uh johan hoogland has a really interesting one called electronic empire orient orientalism revisit in the military shooter that's another one that's uh, available online and then uh suvik uh Mukherjee has a has a really great article called playing subaltern video games post-colonialism that's just a taste there's way more out there dive into the bibliographies of those of those articles if you're hungry for more um, but i just wanted to sort of drop a couple of of, of breadcrumbs if anyone was, was feeling hungry I'm almost sure there's a curation on critical distance oh for yes this topic oh, oh, my, um, oh my there must be there absolutely must be um again always if there worried. is we'll put it in the show notes we certainly will yeah <laughs> um pascal thank you so much for joining me this has been wonderful um yes thank if, you for having me yeah this has been great if, if people want to see the work that you're doing again do you just want to um let them know again where they can where they can find that work uh sure um so if you want to follow me personally on twitter it's indie flock like the indie games and a bunch of birds yeah. um which is personal stuff mostly and a lot of devil may cry so that's <laughs> you sold thing. me on devil may cry in a, in a way that i had not been sold before i mean the, the gifts and the images were good but you really sold me on that oh great i love it <laughs> <laughs> um there's also the the most recent article on language at play is on devil may cry as well on the name sparda which is uh, one of the important characters in that game um you can also follow language at play on twitter just without spaces language mm-hmm. at play for linguistics and game studies i'm trying to do a lot of um, science communication with this one so um i want to show you that linguistics are boring because <laughs> most often they look like it i also have um, a team which does um, really really cool work in gender studies for example and um, cultural history 
and all of it with a very um well journalistic approach so no mm. not, not a lot of quotations no boring uh, <laughs> <laughs> no big yes, long theory explanations it's it's a yeah. smart move it's a smart move if you want people to actually read read your right yeah let's let let's see if it works in <laughs> long term the the site up has been up for one and a half year and so far it's it's nice so it's um languageatplay.de or languageatplay.net if you want to visit. We also have an English section, as I said. It's just at the top. You, can, you can't miss it. <laughs> and can't it's a it. little bit smaller than the, than the German section. I sincerely apologize. Oh, if you want to if, if you want to take part, just uh, send me a message. <laughs> yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, um, right. And no Patreon? No, no Patreon. Do right. people give money to game studies? <laughs> yeah, do, uh, you know, grad programs will sometimes give you money uh, to to, but, to survive. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I meant the general public. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, probably, could they could if you ask? Maybe they will. Hmm. Do you, you have know. any Patreon? Uh, oh, well, affiliation. We, we do. We we have a Patreon, and I, and I absolutely have to shout out our our uh, our, our distinguished colleague. Patreon supporter uh, Carol R. Um, if you do want to support the show, we're honestly I would just say support someone else because they probably <laughs> deserve the money more than than Scholars of Play does because we're not updating quite as regularly. Um, I, I I you know it, it's been a rocky year because I'm sort of abroad and it's been um, more difficult to coordinate schedules across the ocean and in different time zones. But you're um, you're so busy wearing lederhosen and that's eating right, and pretzels. just drinking beer and eating pretzels <laughs> and and you know just doing really sort of traditional German things. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's it's been it's been tougher to organize, but um, yeah, support some other cool people too. But if you're interested, it's Patreon.com/slash/scholarsofplay. Um, a quick shout out and a thank you to Visager for the use of their music. I don't know which song we'll use, but we'll use one of the ones that I've asked to use. And they're really great. <laughs> you can see them at, tw uh, you can check out their music at twitter.com slash slash Visager music. Um, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, please feel free to contact us. Obviously, you've already got uh, Pascal's Twitter um, and you could uh, check it check them out there. But also uh, you can check me out on Twitter at digital underscore Derek, or just send us a good old fashioned email at scholars at play podcast at gmail.com. Um, Do people yeah. still use email? I don't know, man. I, I think they all just use them so that they can use other services like the one we're using to talk to each other right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pascal, it's been a really, it's been a delight having you on. And uh, thank you so much for, for coming on to Scholars of Play. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we will, you'll hear from the scholars at play once again. Don't you worry. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in the future. Take care. Yes, please. Bye. Bye.